Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Hello, 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 dear listeners. You are listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That's right. You're listening to the whole reference show. And you are listening, so don't tell me you're not listening, because if you hear this, then clearly you are listening. You Are you hearing? Then guess what? You're listening. That's right. And if, if you're seeing then I need some of those drugs that you've got. <laughs> I, by the way... I have them. Uh, ...am Darren Beasley. And I, by the way, am Perry Smith. And you, by the way, are our dear listeners. Hashtag dear listeners. Welcome to episode 65, dear listeners. Welcome to you, Perry. Welcome to you, Darren. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Now that everybody's welcome here, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Talk about what we're going to talk about. Then maybe we'll go to Australia and we'll go on a walkabout. There you go. And today on episode... <laughs> I want to go on a talkabout. <laughs> but you're in the right place. I think we're about to go on a about. Here on episode 65 of The Whole Reffin Show, we've got a jam-packed killer do-not-miss episode. It's going to be awesome as always. Uh, we're going to uh, hit the news ticker, first of all, like we do, start the episode off with a little bit of uh, headlines. And uh, unfortunately, there is some not-so-cool news, uh, something that we are fairly closely linked to. We're going to comment on that, uh, report it. Uh, you know, again, uh, all kidding aside, we really are uh, uh, and, and always have been a podcast that seeks to call it right down the middle. It's not just a catch line uh, it, it's a, it's a reality. It's a, oh, that, it is a catchy line. It is a catchy line, but it's also a modus operandi. And, uh, so we're going to report on a, a very unfortunate situation and, uh, and do the best that we can to, uh, deliver the facts and, uh, give a little bit of, uh, wrestle views, you know, in addition to the wrestle news. But, uh, we like to stay impartial here and call it right down the middle. Uh, we're also going to have some good news. Uh, for every bit of bad news, it's nice to know that there is some good news out there. And so there is one uh, pleasant little uh, tidbit on the news ticker. Also on today's show, we are going to talk about WWE's network special this Sunday night. SmackDown Live presents Clash of Champions. Not Clash of the Champions. This is not WCW. This is WWE, this is SmackDown Live, and it's 2017. It's the Clash of Champions. It's the second WWE Clash of Champions. And uh, I, li- I like that they've brought it back. And uh, so we're going to talk about that card. We're going to run down the uh, seven matches that are announced for that card. And then we're going to take you back to the beach. We're going to take you to last weekend's Brawl by the Beach the super independent wrestling card 
put on by Fest Wrestling down in St. Augustine, Florida at the St. Augustine Amphitheater. What a show it was. We were there, just like we're there for all the Fest Wrestling shows, and this one did not disappoint. How could a Fest Wrestling show disappoint? It can't. It's that simple. But before we can get into all of that, we've got to tackle those headlines. Up first this week, we have some unfortunate news to report. Rich Swan, a member of the WWE roster, cruiserweight division, former cruiserweight champion, member of the 205 Live television show, former indie superstar, arrested last week, Saturday night in Gainesville, Florida. He was booked by the Gainesville Police Department for a a misdemeanor of simple battery as well as a felony of false imprisonment. These charges can be construed to mean any number of things. Uh, False imprisonment can also be referred to as kidnapping, you know, so to speak. Um, Battery includes a lot of different behavior. Ultimately, what this is uh, chalked up to be is uh, domestic violence. The reason this is domestic violence is the victim in this instance is Rich Swan's wife, who is Sue Young. Now, that is where we want to tread very carefully here on the whole Reffin show. Uh, Perry and I uh, often refer to people who have been guests on our show as friends of the show. Um, and that is something that is very true. Uh, some in uh, different capacities than others, but anybody we've had on this show, we have been uh, very lucky to have made pretty good friends with. Uh, Some we've made incredibly close friends with at this point, and we're very thankful for that. And I would not say that we are close friends with Sue Young, but we're definitely pals. We're acquaintances, yeah, definitely. And therefore, uh, we want to, first of all, wish Sue Young the best regardless of what happened, why it happened, how it happened, and whatever the fallout uh, has been and will continue to be. We wish her the best. According to the police report, and it was a very detailed police report, which I was surprised the Gainesville Police Department actually tweeted. That was the way they released it, was through Twitter. The Gainesville Police Department tweeted out the entire uh, rap sheet, uh, so to speak, including two eyewitness accounts, and they included the witnesses' names, which I thought there was very, very little redacted on these reports. I think the only redacted information were the telephone numbers and addresses of Rich Swan, Sue Young, and the two eyewitnesses. Uh, Nevertheless, it included a great deal of information about all of those people, and that seemed... uh, Pretty surprising. Now, let me just say, I think that one thing that concerns me, especially in the information age, is the accessibility of all things. And so the Freedom of Information Act does not mean the freedom from information. Now... Unlike other United States laws and guarantees, like uh, basically the freedom of religion 
has the flip side of that coin, the freedom from religion, meaning that while you are allowed to practice any religion you like, you're also allowed not to be encroached upon uh, by a religion that is sponsored or supported by the state in any way. However, I have often, long before this past weekend and the events in Gainesville, I have long thought that some public information doesn't need to be public. I, I feel like, uh, you know, when I purchased my home, for example, I don't think that needs to be in the uh, classified section of the local newspaper, but there it was. Why should everyone be privy to the amount that I paid for my home? So, by the same token, Gainesville tweeted out a lot of information, a lot of very personal uh, information about a lot of different people. That causes a lot of speculation, causes a lot of talking. Um, and that's what we're not going to do here. We simply want our listeners to know that this happened, and uh, there's plenty more uh, resources where you can find uh, the gory details, so to speak. Just Google it. Uh, we just want to let everybody know this happened. WWE suspended Rich Swan indefinitely uh, within hours of this hitting the news ticker uh, last Sunday morning. And WWE will uh, do whatever they do. It will probably result in the release of Rich Swan. Um, that's because WWE has a zero tolerance policy in terms of uh, domestic violence. Um, I feel very strongly about domestic violence. I know we've actually talked about that uh, on the show before. It's been a long time. Um, I won't get too deep into it, but I, I feel very strongly about it. I have very, very strong personal feelings uh, that lead me to have uh, any number of opinions that I'm not going to share at this time regarding this particular case. But nevertheless, I, I too have a... Uh, sort of zero tolerance policy in my life. And, uh, and that means uh, both physically, emotionally, and uh, mentally, and practically. Also, uh, it is odd that this event happened within, you know, not too long uh, after we pulled out of Gainesville, Florida, leaving following uh, our weekend, our long weekend of enjoying fest wrestling and uh, leaving Gainesville, Florida ourselves on that very night. And so the, the proximity for us in so many ways puts us in a unique position to say things that we just simply aren't going to say. Yeah, I mean, for the, for the sake of uh, Sue, who we, uh, we admire, we respect, um, obviously, we've, like you said earlier, we've gotten to know through Fest Wrestling, and I will say it's very odd because we report in a lot of wrestling news, you know, on this show a lot in our headlines. Uh, it's really odd when it, it's someone that you kind of know, <laughs> and it kind of changes things. It does. But it kind of puts things in perspective as well. We we know the girl, uh, you know, Sue's great. Um, I, I, I Last I heard, she wants they want to reconcile uh, Rich and Sue, and I guess, you know, I wish them all the best. I, I hope that things work out. Uh, I hope that nothing even remotely close to this ever happens again. Sure, everybody just needs to be smart. You have to protect yourself. Love is a very powerful thing, but uh, so is anger. Right. So just watch your back. Be smart. Uh, make wise decisions. 
look out for number one. Number one will always be you, and you and you should totally look out for yourself. And again, I feel very strongly about that. You have to live your life uh, as free from danger as you can possibly arrange that for yourself. And yeah. uh, if they do want to reconcile and they both feel great about it, then I'm all for that too. You know, but they both need to take a long, hard look at what happened last weekend and whatever happened and why it happened. They both need to be uh, accountable or hold one another accountable. Right. Someone should be held accountable. If it wasn't a reality, then there wouldn't have been an arrest. Right. So, I, I mean, obviously we just want things to get better. Um, and, and that's kind of all you can hope for is the best. So that's it. And some brighter news, some much more fun news. Oh man. Apparently the rock Dwayne Johnson, uh, I, I, I think he used to be called Rocky Maivia perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Now the Dwayne Johnson rise above Dwayne. Um, that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing from WrestleMania 28 rise above Dwayne. So funny. So Dwayne and his girlfriend, Lauren Hashian, I guess it's Hashian? I've never heard it pronounced She's before. not Lauren the Rock? Or she's not Lauren Rock? No, they are not married. They are just, uh, they are... Just having a good time. Having a good time, having babies. Having way too good of a time if you have a bunch of babies. Uh, their, their first child together will turn two in just a matter of days, uh, and... It's a little girl named Jasmine. Of course, The Rock has a 16-year-old daughter, Simone, from his first marriage uh, to Danny Garcia. But with Lauren Hashian, they are now expecting baby number two between the two of them. And it was announced uh, just this week that it will be a baby girl as well. So considering that The Rock is pretty much best friends with his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, it's the way I've always heard that explained, and his 16-year-old daughter, Simone, his new girlfriend, and now their two uh, baby daughters, right. if you will. Uh, they, uh, man, for... for, uh, for no, not a man, a woman. Not a, yeah, exactly. Eventually a woman. For Dwayne Johnson, who is the paramount chief of masculinity of the 21st <laughs> century... Uh, he is surrounded by women, mm-hmm. so maybe they can sort of temper some of that, uh, some of that rockness, right? And kind of uh, help, help, help bring him back to earth, bring him back down to earth every now and then. Sort of uh, put a put a put a bit in his mouth and uh, let's bring some of that masculinity, rein that back in, Rocky. Why are you so down on the rock all of a sudden? I'm not down on the rock. He's I'm too much saying. of a man for me to to like him, is what you basically just said. Well, you know, sometimes it can just be a bit much. Yeah, I, I will say, and this is totally my opinion, by the way, um, I, I'm a much bigger fan of The Rock than I am of Dwayne Johnson. Okay. Um, it's whatever. Dwayne Johnson, the celebrity, or Dwayne Johnson, the silver screen actor? Well, I, I say Dwayne Johnson because whenever, whenever Dwayne Johnson comes, whenever The Rock shows back up on WWE... And this is over the past, like, what, last 10 years, he's been kind of showing back up again. It 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 seems like Dwayne Johnson playing The Rock, where back in the Attitude Era, it was just The Rock. That is fair. Yeah. I don't 100% agree. I know why you would say that, and I can think of instances right now 
where that's totally true. Mm-hmm. But to me, there have been some instances where it was not true. I, I really, really bought into him and Cena the feud to their first match. No. Uh, WrestleMania 28. What? <laughs> no. But really? Yeah. What? You didn't. That's. Is that one of your examples? Well, because it didn't mean anything. Because The Rock's not going to stick around for an entire year and wrestle. And but also, he did. And, and, but and also, it's it's. But he did do that. But I mean, that and more than a year. That to me was the ultimate like. Oh no! That's that's when I realized WrestleMania was just an advertisement for the next WrestleMania, and that's what that totally was. It wasn't about that WrestleMania; it was about the next WrestleMania where they'd have a rematch. It was like, uh, uh I disagree. Okay, I disagree because that match was good, and that and that atmosphere. Oh, I didn't say anything about the match. I was, was like, the stakes didn't mean anything to me. Well, I mean. I know what you mean there. Okay. The way uh, the way that it sounds like you feel is the way that I feel when everybody says they want Stone Cold to have one last match. No. But see, well, okay, well, obviously you disagree with that. I'm and saying probably I, he doesn't want to. You would you would you would see it. You would like see it in the ring that doesn't really want to be there. Fair enough. But let's say he did. He okay. did want it. That's different. I would still not want it to happen. Even if he could probably go, and he probably could. I mean, that dude, other than... I mean, he's, his his face is starting to look older. But, like, he's in incredible shape. Right. Incredible shape. My point is, he's not. The Rock did actually come back and stay for quite a while. Steve Austin would not. So, in that hashtag, if wrestling were real, and we, you know, I still use that hashtag a lot on Instagram... We don't use it that much on the show anymore, but I, this is a perfect place to put it to put it in. Hashtag, if wrestling were real, it would make no sense for someone like Steve Austin, who has been legitimately retired for the better part of two decades, to come back and wrestle a match and believably have a chance against anyone. Because he'd know he would lose also. Steve Austin doesn't like to lose. So. But you know... I, no, I'm saying hashtag if wrestling were real. I know. If I'm... it were legit, straight up, shoot, fight, real. Right. Unless he were fighting someone his age or older, uh, it wouldn't make sense. And, of course, that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. They'd put him in there with, like, Dean Ambrose, and I don't care. I mean, maybe Steve Austin could use his old man strength and get a lucky punch in. But if we're talking about the legitimate world of, like, shoot combat sports... By all means, Dean Ambrose, who wrestles every single week, should devastate. Well, him and Kane are that same age. This guy. Yeah, but I, I just... There, there are people Austin's age. There are, but it just doesn't make sense. Because or it doesn't make sense the way, w, the way I know WWE would do it. Even if it was a one-off match. But we got to see like maybe two or three months worth of like promos and showing him training and stuff that'd be different but they wouldn't do that they would they would they wouldn't would bring an old broken down superstar in to to beat uh brock lesnar and, and be the universal champion for a little while and fight lesnar at wrestlemania no that's and, what they would do i'm talking about goldberg that's i what they know did with goldberg that's what i'm saying 
Right. Yeah. That's what they that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they would do with Austin. Have him in an eight man tag. Obviously he gets hurt and has to sit out for half of the match, just like don't... Kurt Angle does. Oh, I don't want it to happen. I'm just saying this is what they would do. There are many ways you could hide that that someone is is more fragile because of their age. Anyway, but, but nobody wants to see that. First of all, anyone can beat anyone in a wrestling ring because wrestling is fixed. They have fixed outcomes, Darren. But hashtag of wrestling were real. I see what you're saying, but it's uh, Taker's no spring chicken either, and he still wrestles. <laughs> but the legitimacy behind the Undertaker for the longest time until about the last four or five years was that he never stopped wrestling, mm-hmm. right? Then you could, and it was sh- you're on shaky ground to do so, but you could make the argument in those last four or five years that he is. He's, he is an undead man. He is the Lord of Darkness. He is the phenom. He is all that. He is some sort of, you know, he has mystical powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you You can't say that about... Goldberg or Austin. You can't about Austin. Because he, he can get blood from a stone. <laughs> We've all seen the shirt. You're 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 missing all of my points. He has here. rattlesnake hands, haven't you seen? You're missing every single point I'm making here. No, I understand what you're saying, Darren. It's it's the fact that with the rock, I think they actually did it right. Okay. First of all, the rock, even if he was Dwayne Johnson playing the rock was more physically impressive and intimidating around that era than he ever was in the Attitude Era. I mean, you know, you look at the Rock at at his height during the Attitude Era, and, you know, he's big, he's muscly, he's fast, he's awesome, but he would only get better in all of those respects uh, once he got to Hollywood somehow, I guess, just not having to deal with uh, the travel and the, the wear and tear of the road and having uh, the best personal trainers on earth. But uh, nevertheless, I highly enjoyed The Rock around WrestleMania 28 uh, and 29. And I, I would take it all over again. I'd take it now. I, I still think I'd like to see another Rock run, a, a brief run, something like that. All right, so congratulations to The Rock. Uh, may may your new child be be a healthy, uh, masculine child, <laughs> uh, a masculine daughter, a masculine daughter. W- women can't be masculine. Well, what's what's going on here? Oh my God! What uh, did you? What's in the water today? All right, fair enough. Well, speaking of WWE, this Sunday they're having one of them network exclusives that you like so well. Uh, this Sunday is Clash of Champions. That's right, SmackDown Live presents Clash of Champions for the WWE. This Sunday is the 17th of December, 2017, and Clash of Champions will be live on WWE Network from Boston, Massachusetts, in the TD Garden. Well then, looks like Darren and I have to go head-to-head. Head-to-head. With our predictions for this momentous occasion, Darren, you ready? Ready! Get in the ring, sucker. So there's going to be a pre-show, you know, network special, always a pre-show. You can't have a pre-show without a pre-show match to make somebody feel less than. 
Oh, these, these are your boys you're talking about. I didn't. I don't our want pre-show, them to feel less our pre-show involves Mojo Raleigh taking on Zack Ryder, the former hype bros. Not so broy anymore. No, not so broy. Not so brosy. Mojo's still pretty hype, though. He's still pretty hype. Well, he doesn't get hype, Perry. The whole idea is he stays hype. That's right. And Zack Ryder, he ain't hyped. He ain't hype. Zack Ryder is, uh, he's an unfortunate soul. And uh, I feel bad for him, but uh, I think that I don't know. I don't know what the long-term plan is for Zack Ryder. It can't be a good one. He's been around for too long to all of a sudden catch fire. Um, and I and I mean that in the best possible way because I'm taking nothing away from the accomplishments of his career. But something doesn't click with upper management and Zack Ryder. And I think that as a result... He's going to lose this match. I mean, I'm picking Mojo all the way for this pre-show match. Hmm. Um, just to make it interesting, I'm going to go with Zack Ryder. Okay. Winning this match. Um, no, I, I do think that you have a shelf life in the WWE. Um, n- not so much you can't go after a certain amount of time, which obviously that is the case with any athlete. But also, like, uh, I think if WWE probably thinks that, like, man, if these people haven't become champion yet then, you know, they must be stale and old. Why would we give them the belt now kind of a thing? And I think Zack Ryder might be uh, one of the cases of that at this point. Oh, sure, sure. Right. It's a sell-by date. Same way Dolph Ziggler was ever to become champion, you know. You I, don't think? Again, no, no, no. no I think no. he might. Nah. I, I think he might in a brand split era. If not for the brand split, then totally I agree with you. Brand split, it's possible. Hmm. Well, looks like so far we're already having a conflict of interest here, Darren. Not that I'm interested in the hype bros, but (laughs) you get the idea. Next, we have another couple of tag teams that aren't split up, and thank goodness for that. One of them, they keep splitting up and putting them back together over the years. They don't do it quickly, but they've done it multiple times. That's the team of Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Now just going by Harper and Rowan, because God forbid anybody keep a whole name. Harper and Rowan now going by the tag team moniker of the Bludgeon Brothers, with their sort of darker version of Kane's outfit that they're both wearing. And uh, dig this music. Dig this music so much. I love the Bludgeon Brothers music. It is currently my favorite music in wrestling. Oh, wow. It's so good, it almost makes me care about them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's right. I historically love me some Luke Harper. And Eric Rowan's all right. Uh, and I'm sort of into the idea of the Bludgeon Brothers. I just... Uh, I would make it work. If I were booking, they'd be my champions probably already. They'd be your co-heavyweight champion. Yeah. But I know WWE is not going to push that gimmick. Or they are, but only so far. So therefore, I'm automatically less interested. Because I know that I can't... There's no reason for me to get excited. Because I know what's going to happen. Right. Well, it doesn't bode well that their opponents are the fashion police. (laughs) Um, Brazongo, uh, Tyler Breeze, and uh, Fondango, um, because those guys are clown shoes. 
And I mean, I, I love them. They're great. They're very funny. And you, you remember sometimes that, oh yeah, they can also wrestle very well, um, especially Tyler Breeze. But it's, it's, it's hard to take any team going up against the fashion police seriously it's because they are so zany. And I mean, we had this problem long ago when the Usos fought the fashion police. It was like the Usos had just had this incredible heel turn, which is really working for them and has totally resurrected the Usos. And you have them fight the fashion police and you can't take them seriously. And you can't take the Usos seriously. So it's kind of like you need to keep these tag teams separate. Um, but they're doing it again with the Bludgeon Brothers. They finally gave them a name, and after weeks and weeks of promos, the Bludgeon Brothers uh, are here, and they're supposed to be a dominant force, but you have them fight the Fashion Police, um, which was a, just a bad move. No. Well, I, but it's been some fun stories. We got to see them uh, make fun of the Saw movies by having a segment where the Fashion Police and Ascension are all tied up and they've got to saw somebody loose before gas uh, kills them all. And apparently the Ascension were killed, but then they came back the next week. And uh, That's never happened in wrestling before. Yeah, it's good to see that there is no continuity there. Yeah, uh, I love that even way longer, even way before that, uh, there were clues that said 2B, as in the numeral 2 and the capital letter B, as in boy, uh, were kept coming up as a clue mm-hmm. for the fashion police. Well, 2B, BB, Bludgeon Brothers. Turns out that's what it supposedly is. Um, and the fact that this match is even happening is basically uh, Fandango's fault for, like, bullshit posturing, saying, sure, we'll take on the Bludgeon Brothers. And then, of course, they got stuck doing it. So... I'm into it because the writing behind it is is pretty smart, mm-hmm. um, or at least it's deliberate. Well, I'm just saying. That I think it's smart, but if you don't think it's smart, you have to acknowledge at least that it's deliberate. Well, if it's not the Usos and uh, the New Day, and and that's been done to death now at this point, and then that was some great wrestling, by the way. There's some really great matches, the Usos and the New Day. Um, the rest of their tag teams, they have issues with. Like, you know, they got rid of American Alpha to put Jason Jordan on Raw. So now it's Shelton Benjamin and, and Chad Gable, which doesn't work nearly as well. Um, taking nothing away from Shelton Benjamin, who is a phenomenal athlete. Um, but then you have the Fashion Police, which they're hilarious, but you can't take them seriously. So it's hard to, to put them up against any of these other heel tag teams, since there can be only one, right? A heel and a face tag team. Um, and the Ascension, they, they were heels, now they're, they're goofballs too, and they're basically best friends with the Fashion Police at this point. Right. So the, that, they do have a big issue, they have a big problem with their tag team with SmackDown, they gotta figure that shit out. Um, Raw, kind of the same thing in a way, their big tag teams are basically singles competitors they put together, and they said, well, just fuck you, other tag teams, <laughs> if there are any other tag teams on Raw anymore. But anyway, this is SmackDown. So anyway, it's it's tough call, but Bludgeon Brothers are going to have to make a mark. I don't think they give a shit if the Fashion Police lose or not at this point, so I'm going to go BB all the way. What do you think? Oh, I'm totally going with the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I think a Bludgeon Brothers victory is the only thing that makes sense in terms of physicality. Um, I also think if you're going to continue the storyline, the Fashion Police certainly can't win. They can't win some huge upset over a couple of monsters. Mm -hmm. 
and then still have story to tell. Right. So the Bludgeon Brothers have to win this one, and uh, I definitely think that they will. Next up, we have another tag team match, only uh, this one's a little odd. The uh, new makeshift tag team, the new uh, old old buddy, old pal tag team, that tactic of, uh, of tagging folks together, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who are now the biggest heels on the SmackDown brand, who uh, basically, ah, we hate everybody and everybody is dumb and wrong and worse than us. Uh, which is, you know, which is a gimmick that works very well in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, always turning to the crowd and saying over your shoulder, shut up, will always work. It will always get you heel heat, always. So that's what Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are doing. Kevin Owens is brilliant at it. He's absolutely brilliant at it. And Sami Zayn has been very impressive to me so far uh, in this angle. I, I like to see uh, him pull off this. And he didn't have to change that much. He just had to go from being like mopey and downtrodden with his lower lips stuck out to being cocky for absolutely no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was able to maintain uh, basically the same identity, only with just like a, you know, um, a change of uh, an attitude adjustment, if you will. And uh, these two will be taking on the truly uh, off the wall tag team of. Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Randy Orton, who has hair all of a sudden, yeah, he has weird. a full head of hair. And Must Shins- be going out for a movie. Yeah, I bet that's right. And Shinsuke Nakamura, who was not full steam ahead, uh, and and that's unfortunate. Uh, after suffering, after just being put down uh, by Jinder Mahal repeatedly. Now he's just he's just there. He's just a guy. And I don't he's not quite been knocked down to the mid card, so to speak. He's still floating around at the top, but he doesn't seem like a legitimate contender, which he absolutely always should be. Mm-hmm. Uh it's the exact it's it is the same old song and dance. I'm not gonna get into it. We knew it would happen. Well I am. Vince McMahon doesn't know. Shit from Shinola. No, um, yeah, Shinsuke thing. <laughs> it, it's it's been. Um, I mean, we we've talked about this quite a bit on the show, but him not being used properly. I do think the the multiple losses of General Hall really hurt him. Um, if they wanted to put him in the main event spotlight, you know, fighting for the title, they should have waited until fucking AJ was champion, which wasn't the cards the whole time. He is now champion. Um, so yeah, that, that whole thing's done poorly. Uh, in this event though, Randy and, and Shinsuke kind of find a common enemy in Owens and, um, uh, Sami Zayn. And, uh, I think they added a stipulation. I think, uh, if, if Zayn and Owens lose the match, they're fired from WWE. Yeah, that's weird. And also the referee is, is, uh, Shane McMahon, which I'm really getting tired of Shane McMahon showing up for no reason. I like the better when we never fucking saw Shane McMahon's face. Uh, now he's like involved in every match somehow. Um, is this Daniel Bryan involved too somehow? Yeah, Daniel Bryan is also special guest referee. God, a clusterfuck this I, match is. They're both, and not only that, I, I don't think it's like an outside enforcer. I literally think both Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan in the zebra stripes inside the ring 
at the same time. Right. So they're the stars in the match. Of uh, course they are. Basically, okay. So four wrestlers and two referees are in the match. Yep. There'll and... be four men in the ring at all times and two men on the outside at all times. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> my, my, my math is accurate. Right. No, I'm sorry. I was doing some weird other math thinking about the world championships that have been held by these people, but okay, uh, n- that is yes, that is ridiculous too. But let's not worry about that right now. Okay, so obviously the story is going to be Daniel costs it for one team, and Shane McMahon will do anything oh, yeah. to make sure Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn lose. But Dana Bryan's going to be like, "That's not the right thing to do, Shane. You should know better than that." You know, right? And now I think it seems more likely than ever. That Daniel Bryan may make his wonderful, triumphant return to wrestling only to have his opponent be Shane McMahon. They wouldn't waste it on that. They wouldn't? You think they would waste it on that? Really? Yes, I think they would waste it on that. Really. I was trying to give WWE benefit of the doubt. They, uh, they, they wasted one of Undertaker's last matches in a Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania against Shane McMahon. Oh, yeah, it's true. They'll waste anything on Shane McMahon because they don't think it's a waste. How about at every SmackDown pay-per-view, uh, Shane McMahon just climbs to the top of a very tall ladder and just falls off of it? Because uh, that, that's basically what you're going to get out of Shane McMahon every time, right? Right. Okay. And I would be okay with that, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, here's my thing. Hey, I don't mind fell. seeing Shane McMahon. I really don't. I mind him being involved in high-profile matches. I was stoked when he came back a couple of years ago because I had actually gotten to the point where I missed him. And I like his on-screen presence. I like him as the commissioner. I don't like him when he leaves the backstage area. I can't help you, Darren. I can't help you because you didn't help me when I was bitching about the fact that AJ Styles' WrestleMania opponent was Shane McMahon, you were like, "I think it's gonna, be, I think it's gonna be," and I was like, "No, this is bullshit." And you're going, "No," and Shane McMahon, we trust. And I'm like, "No, I did not Whoa, say that. That is not. I cool. did not say that. <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode. I, I, I can't. I, I've again, I've, I've, I want some sort of like natural Prozac." Which makes me not get furious at WWE's horrible decisions anymore. Just kind of rolls off my back now. I go, okay, of course. Yeah, of course. Whatever. Sh- okay. Shinsuke and AJ hasn't happened yet. Then I don't care about anything else with WWE anymore. So, who are you picking in this match? I don't care. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Prozac's supposed to make you happier. No, I'm happy. See, I don't care. See, I'm happy. Um, no, no, no. The, it, obviously, it, it, Sami Zayn is not happiness. Obviously, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have to win this match. Uh, I'm sure Shinsuke. Really, I think a lot of people think Shinsuke and Randy Orton are gonna are gonna lose it and gonna get mad at each other. Are gonna fight each other, um, even though we've already seen that match happen. Um, yes, I'm gonna go with uh, with uh, Owens and, and Zayn winning. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going with Orton and Nakamura. Whoa! 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 Yeah. Because, here's the thing, obviously you have to say that if the step is that Owens and Zayn are fired from WWE, well, they can't lose because they can't be fired. Because, yes, that's just, that is a bullshit uh, stipulation here in 2017 
in Vince McMahon's Monopoly era. Absolutely. And because you're not going to get fired. Or if you are, you could say get fired from a SmackDown Live and then guess what? They appear next week on Raw. But they didn't say that. They said fired from WWE. So is WWE smart enough? They're not smart enough to just stop employing that stipulation. That much is clear. But can they be smart enough to realize, hey, we're going to employ this stipulation here, but we're going to do it as a red herring. Meaning, no, they're not going to win, but something else is going to prevent them from being fired. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think Orton and Nakamura can stand to have like like a legitimate loss here to Zane and Owens. And so I think it's just going to be super duper duper schmoz because of the presence of Shane. There are and two Brian. referees. There are two guest referees. Right. So obviously it's going to be ultra schmozzy. Um so yeah, let's not let's not kill ourselves thinking about this. But there we go. At two of the three matches we've already disagreed on. So yeah. this is shaping up to be kind of a Kind of a different head to head. Head to head. Did you make the did you make the the, the sound effect? I almost did. Yeah. Head to head. Head to head. I started to and then I went, no, better back off of that. <laughs> because the voice is gonna come from on high. Yes. Uh, anyway, I don't need to uh, to preface it. You probably shouldn't. So that's a lot of tag team matches. It's not the last. No, no, no. No, because the next match includes four tag teams. You were talking about the uh, SmackDown Live tag team problem. Well, here's here's some more of it all oh. right here. Oh, good. Here's a heaping helping of SmackDown's hospitality. Airing out the dirty laundry. <laughs> the Usos, who are your SmackDown Live tag team champions, take on the New Day, whatever configuration uh, of that threesome happens to participate in this match on Sunday. Isn't that getting old? I'm just going uh, to hate that when you can't just say what two members are going to fight. They yeah, can't figure it of out. Of course it is. Yeah. Benjamin and Gable, also a pair of opponents for this matchup. And Rusev and Aiden English. You know. <laughs> that team. That team. <laughs> oh, poor Rusev, man. Who did you piss off? Why? I... Beside, you mean besides Lana? Because apparently she fucking hates him. But what? <laughs> if, I I've never seen uh, human beings argue like they do on the on Total Divas. It's all a work, Darren. It's a work. Uh, I I don't know. I don't dislike Rusev and Aiden English. It just I haven't gotten used to it either. It seems to come so out of nowhere that I guess I'm naturally repellent of it because it seems forced. Mm-hmm. But I can't say that I actively dislike it. It kind of works for me. Um, I don't think they need to be a tag team. Mm-hmm. That's not the answer. It's like Golden Truth type of tag team. But sticking Aiden there like to be his like manservant or his personal announcer or his flunky or his, you know, puppy dog, whatever that would work. I don't know so much that I buy them as a tag team, but nevertheless, they're getting a shot at the tag team championship 
uh, gold or a silver, if you will, those navy and uh, and silver nickels. Who's gonna win then? I I think the Usos retain. I think the Usos retain. I just don't think this is the time to take those belts off of them. What do you think? I agree with that. Sure. But what does that mean for the New Day? The New Day, now they're going to be multi-time losers to the Usos? Yeah, but if you lose, like, you know, a a match with multiple opponents, it's not really a loss. It's a, well, on this day, someone else got the win before we could. Not untrue. Not untrue. I don't know. Yeah, I think (laughs) I'm going to stick with the Usos. I'm sitting here trying to make myself reconsider, but no, not at this pay-per-view. This one's hard to predict because, like I just got finished saying not too long ago, the SmackDown tag teams, they don't know what the fuck's going on. The only true contenders to the tag team title belts are the Usos and the New Day. Um, There's no reason for the New Day to win it in this kind of scramble fashion, Um, so it might as well just stay on the Usos. And Rusev and Aiden English are just killing time until WWE thinks about something else to do with them. And uh, Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable... They're kind of destined to fail at this point. So, Well, we have three more title matches still on the card. Let's go to Charlotte, the SmackDown Live Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, taking on Natalia, Natalia Neidhart, part of the Hart family legacy and the daughter of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. In the SmackDown Live Women's Championship match, they will be joined by a slew of others. And I don't mean Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan Mm. both being referees. No, I mean this is a Lumberjack match, or a Lumberjill match, if you will. Which I think is awesome, by the way. It's a good way to get your roster involved. There should have been one of these at Survivor Series. So they kind of actually incorporated most of the locker rooms of Raw and SmackDown. Instead, you have the whole bullshit hashtag under siege thing. And it's like, all these guys wearing blue shirts here, you'll see about five of them at the pay-per-view. And the rest of you will have like no impact whatsoever on the actual event. Um, so anyway, it's a cool idea because it gets all the women involved. Also, you have the three new women, Ruby Riot and uh, Sarah Logan and Liv uh, Morgan. So that's cool. They'll be out there as well. Um, and I think that will be a factor in this match. It's going to have to be a factor in this match. For sure, for sure, and love the Riot Squad. Right, of course, but they don't necessarily want Natalia to beat Charlotte, right? So that th- they have nothing at stake if either one wins or loses, uh, but I-, I think that just having them ringside is going to kind of look cool, and I-, and I like the SmackDown women's locker room anyway. Like, I think they're all they're all talented folks. Um, you know, the, as the weeks have gone on, I'm on board. I'm like, I was on board for giving them a chance. Meaning, I, you know, I went on my big, big time rant about people that were not giving the two uh, groups of three girls, one on Raw and one on SmackDown, a chance. And how I didn't immediately love it, but I was more than willing to give them a chance. And because I was, I'm into it. I think Absolution is a dumb name for Paige and Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose over on Raw, but I like them and I like the idea that they're pushing with that. And I actually really like the Riot Squad. Right. I I think that you and I both were so stuck on those three individuals being Liv, Ruby, and Sarah based on their NXT personas 
and then a little bit of Ruby's carryover Heidi Lovelace persona, and how they did not go together, and so just appearing on SmackDown made us be like, what? What's happening? Right. But I actually like the chemistry between the three of them. They're working it to a point that it's believable. Not to mention that they're running the roads together. If you watch any of their social medias, they are flying together, driving together, rooming together. The Riot Squad is a real-life thing. And any time that real life kind of takes on, it's naturally going to come across on the screen, and I think it totally is with them. Right. Well, the synergy is there, and that's very cool. Um, but like I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it, and I enjoy it. Uh, the only issue that I have with the, all the women, uh, and this is on both shows, is... Uh, the, the reason they introduced the three women to each of the, the brands, you know, the Absolution to Raw and the Riot Squad to SmackDown, is because I think Vince mentioned something about, like, he felt the women's roster seemed kind of stale in both programs. I think the problem there is they only ever seem to do angles that involve all the women at the same time. Right. So it, instead of it just being like, oh, these women wrestlers have a, have issues and these these have issues, they, they kind of look at it like a division. Like, oh, the women's division. Well, the entire women's division is going to, you know what I mean? So, so and that's... So the way, sort, of, sort of the same way they treat the cruiserweights. I was going to say, that's the way the cruiserweights, too. They're not just cruiserweight wrestlers. They're the cruiserweight division. They're not just tag teams. They're tag team division. I mean, you wouldn't say the Intercontinental Division or the U.S. Division, you know what I mean, or the Heavyweight Division. For sure. So that's the thing, and that's that's the worst, That that's that's kind of how the women got stale, because all their angles involved all of them. So you, you basically, so you see them involved in each other's business all the time, and it just got really old really, really fast. And then, you know, Absolution comes in, and Riot Squad comes in, and they're attacking all of the women. So it's like, no, you're just involving all of the women together again. So this is going to get stale quick. Exactly. If you're, you're right. If What well, they should have done, and I'm on board with the Riot Squad I, because I like those three girls. And, I, and, I, and I, like I just got through saying, I like them together. But now, in light of what you just said, they shouldn't have immediately gotten into a thing with Charlotte and Natalia. Why didn't they come in like, we're here because fuck Becky Lynch. Right, exactly. You know, or like, we're here because we think we're sick of Carmella and her Money in the Bank crap. Yeah. And then that way you have more than one and meaningful women's feud. Two months of that and then, well, move on to the next person because that's, that's what you do in a regular feud. Not like, this entire division is going to be division because we're a division. You know what I mean? So I do know what you mean. That, that that's a that's a spin that should be very obvious, but I wasn't really taking into account. And it fits right in with my great desire, which is to have more than one important women's storyline going on at any given time. Yeah. Because when there's not, it's like, what are you doing? Your women's roster is almost as big as your men's roster now. You can't just have one feud, yeah, and, and the and, rest and, of them just don't even appear. And the, the big issue there, of course, is one title belt. So true. So that 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 is a concern. At this point, you might as well have. Uh, I hate to say it, just because the last thing WWE needs are more title belts, but a women's tag title. 
um, would be pretty cool, I think. Um, at the this problem point. is, what do you do? Do you put a pair on both shows now? All of a and sudden, that, and, and that's the huge. That, that's the worst part of it is, it is though. That means both shows have it. So now there's basically four new title belts, and, the, and I do think there should be cruiserweight tag team titles as well. But and, and I, we, we talked about there should be a six man title. Yes, belt. the cruiserweight. Yeah, the cruiserweight division and two hundred five live needs to introduce. What I believe would be the first ever WWE six-man tag belts. Right. That would be so good. It'd be cool, but it's been used before. It's been done in at least ROH that I know of, so I know it. Oh, no, it's... Vince would be like, that's eh, not our idea. I don't like it. The six-man tag belts have been around in, all over the place. I think right. the WA, or maybe even WC, early, early WCW had them, because WCW... Late NWA, uh, Turner buyout era, that whole thing, early WCW, you had World Tag Team Championships, you had Six-Man Tag Team Championships, you had United States Tag Team Championships. Right. And uh, now maybe that was too many, but uh, I'm all for, uh, I, still, I still get excited. Every time you mention the, the idea of a six-man set of six-man tag belts on 205 Live, that would be so badass. Well, I get I get excited about a lot of things. I know that will never happen. But so, okay, uh, this, back to this women's match. Say, but this match, though, I do love that it involves everyone in this capacity. I love lumberjack slash lumberjill matches. Um, Charlotte and Natalia put on a good match, sure, but I don't see a reason why they would take the belt off of Charlotte at this point. So Charlotte's going to go over. I agree. She's Charlotte still selling her book. Is too. still totally going over. Yeah. Um, this is not the time or place. For Natty to take the belt off of her. No, I do feel like they're pushing like maybe Ruby and Charlotte next. In which case, the Riot Squad would have a lot more impact if Ruby's able to take the belt from Charlotte. Man, go Ruby. That'd be really great. Go Ruby. You got, wow, can't say enough good things. Absolutely. All right, so we got two matches left. The penultimate match of the evening here at Clash of Champions is the United States champion, Baron Corbin, and he's clashing with a couple of guys who would like to be the United States champion, and that is the aforementioned Dolph Ziggler, uh, whom you said would never again hold the World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> but he will try to gain the United States Championship on this uh, occasion here in Boston, but he won't be the only opponent for Baron Corbin. No, this is a triple threat match, and Bobby Roode is the other man. He is the wild card. I guess, actually, Dolph is the wild card, because it was supposed to just be Corbin and Roode. Threw Ziggler in here at the last second. I think probably uh, <laughs> because somebody said, hey, do you remember that Dolph Ziggler is on SmackDown? Right. Oh, shit, yeah, let's put him in a match. What does this smell like to you, though? Remember when they just kind of threw Ty Dillinger into a triple threat match all of a sudden just to do it? This kind of feels like that, too, at the same time. Oh, it does. Uh, someone pin Rude, so Corbin looks still good. Uh, I don't know, sure. Um, actually, I feel like anyone can win this match, really. I, I feel like Dolph Ziggler has gone through enough shit and put enough people over over the last year. Um, that he could very easily uh, get this belt. It's kind of like a, oh, thank you, Dolph. You're a U.S. champion now. Rude. It'd be really cool if Rude got it. Rude's over, man. And uh, it'd be a nice little feather in his cap right now. Uh, go ahead and 
give him a, give him a title, and uh, Corbin can very easily just hold on to it. But I don't know if Corbin's been behaving backstage or not. Like it seems like a lot of a lot of his future and his present depend on on his Twitter and his uh, you know his his uh, speaking up at meetings and stuff like that. So. I know it can go. It can go any way. What do you think? I agree with all of those points, but uh, I you you said maybe it's time for Bobby Roode to just yeah go ahead stick that belt on him. I think it's premature for that. Okay, um, not because Bobby's a youngster who's unproven because he's very proven and he is probably one of the older roster members to tell the truth from SmackDown. Um, so he's seasoned, and he's capable, and he is talented, and he's over. Mm-hmm. And they certainly didn't hesitate to put the NXT championship on him. But I think he is new enough to SmackDown uh, with a roster full of enough other people uh, that aren't quite dead yet that you, you don't want to put it on <laughs> Rude right now. Right. Ziggler, yeah, might be a nice little uh, throwing a dog a bone. But I think Corbin keeps it because if you're going to give Corbin the money in the bank and then yank it away from him and then give him the U.S. belt, are you, unless he's actively fucked up lately, which I don't, I haven't heard that he has, you're not going to yank that away from him too because then it just looks like he's totally incompetent. Right. Like, oh, good. he has a good night, he has a bad night. He has a good night, he has a bad night. That's nothing to be afraid of, and that's nothing that a true blue, hashtag if wrestling were real, a true blue promoter would want on their hands. If somebody does that, if somebody's a yo-yo and wins and losses in UFC, Dana White tells them to hit the curb, honey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hashtag if wrestling were real, Vince McMahon doesn't want a Baron Corbin who is unreliable, because if if we're counting on him to win shoot matches in order to put butts in seats, and he's not capable of doing so, it just makes him look bad. So I think that uh, as long as we're keeping up appearances, we're gonna we're gonna let Corbin walk out of here with the belt. Triple threat match, though. It is triple threat match. So your champion doesn't have to lose the belt, and that's always been like the little what catch twenty two of a triple threat match. Convenient I agree. Way no, I for agree. A champion to lose without losing. Is I agree. Yeah. And this is the one instance though that I think the confusion. Of the triple threat benefits Corbin instead of uh, instead of being a smokescreen for stripping him. Okay, so we think the Usos are going to hold on to the tag belts. Pretty sure, I'm going to go ahead and cast my vote now for the next match, which is AJ is going to beat Jinder Mahal. Uh, that means... And, and we haven't and, talked and, about that match and, and, and we're sure Charlotte's going to probably go over on Natalia. I think a belt needs to change hands at, quote, Clash of Champions. Um, so I'm gonna say that uh, I'm gonna say that Bobby Roode walks away with the U.S. title. Okay. Well, that'd be pretty cool. I I personally think, and it's not often that I agree with WWE here, but like I personally think it might be too it might be premature to put the belt on Roode. But then, of course, I'm not agreeing with WWE if right. they do it. The only again, the only person that I see dropping the belt on that night would be. Uh, Baron Corbin. And, and yeah. in, in that case, you don't put it on Ziggler, who's a little stale. You go ahead and put it on someone who's who's uh, proven to be a, a a commodity. And I think Bobby Roode has proven to be one. Now it's time to make him a champion. Right on. 
Well, in our main event, uh, you've already picked AJ Styles to retain the and WWE. And you are too, and you know it. Uh, let me at least finish my sentence. Okay, go ahead. Yes, I too. All right, that's it. Good night, folks. <laughs> uh, we're both going to pick AJ Styles, your current reigning WWE champion, to defeat Jinder Mahal in his quest to regain that belt that he lost to AJ. Right, and this is a match that we've already seen a dozen times by now. Um, Jinder Mahal, who just wrestled in India, he wrestled against uh, Triple H. And lost. And lost. Triple H beat Jinder Mahal. In India? God damn, Triple H. How badly needed to win matches at this point. Um, but anyway, so there's no reason to put the belt back on gender, I don't think. Um, there's no special stipulation to kind of make this like, oh, but whoa, it's a whoa, could be anyone's match in a, in a whoa match, you know what I mean? Um, it's just a singles match. It sounds like your description of the Hob- the first Hobbit movie. <laughs> the first Hobbit movie is basically just them trying not to fall. So it's them going, whoa, whoa, for three hours. Uh, anyway, uh, worth the price of admission. Apparently <laughs> they're ghosts. Ooh, ooh. Uh, anyway, uh, and no, not worth the price of admission. But anyway, um, yeah, so there's, there's no reason to analyze that to death. There's no reason to give the belt back to gender. I think this might be gender's final loss before he moves oh. on to something else. He, I don't he like can to, still I don't be like the modern day that, Maharaja and just fight other people, and that's I fine. Know. I like him as I a I want champion. gender to go for the U.S. title and be like, oh, I'll be the U.S. champion. You know, the, that that whole thing where someone who's not from the U.S., even though he's from the U.S., saying, I'll be the best U.S. champion and I, you infidels and all that stuff. That's great. I, that's, that, <laughs> that harkens back to the old days. Um, or maybe no, that might be a bad idea because Kevin Owens basically just did that. Anyway, so gender uh, can just go fight someone else for a while, but I think AJ needs to move on to new opponent. Bow, 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 bow. Yes, bow. we know. And 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 qu- quickly uh, on on that, I mean, Rumble is just around the corner, uh, which is awesome. And last year, Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble, so he got to challenge the SmackDown champion. I wonder if this year the winner is going to be someone from Raw who, who challenges the Universal Champion, which will that time obviously be. Brock Lesnar, but does that mean that Roman Reigns is going to win the Rumble this year? Oh my god. Isn't that the worst shit? Because I would love for Shinsuke Nakamura to win the Rumble and go on to fight AJ Styles at WrestleMania, but I don't see two consecutive Rumbles ending with someone challenging the the lesser belt, you know, quote-unquote, according to them. Only because SmackDown is not the flagship show Raw is. So anyway, we're going to speculate about that. Plenty of that coming up uh, the next month or so, folks. But that's it for our head-to-head. Head-to-head. For Clash of Champions. And, uh... <laughs> I almost said I'm excited about this pay-per-view. I'm not. Um, it's it's it, It'll be a fine show, I'm sure. It'll be, it'll be a fine show. It'll be a, a show that was fun. Fine clothes. I'll check it out. I'm sure I'll be entertained. There's probably some good wrestling matches in there. Um, and that, that's the best you can hope for, really. I don't think anything's going to knock my socks off wrestle-wise. It's just, it's, it's not. Um, anyway, man, that's, that's really bleak. Uh, <laughs> but you know what does knock my socks off, Darren? Fest wrestling. Every time. Every single time. I walk time. in wearing socks. I walk on. 
not wearing socks. Gone. Fast, you owe us so many pairs of socks. My shoes are still on, uh, which is even more that's, impressive. That's really weird, though, right? Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about Fest Wrestling's Brawl by the Beach, first time in St. Augustine, hopefully not the last time. Darren, let's get into that. It was Fest Wrestling, and it was a brawl. It was a brawl by the beach. But it was the middle of the night, and it got relocated, because we were having some weird winter weather in North Florida, and uh, I don't really recall actually seeing the beach that night. So it was more like a brawl somewhere close near to the beach. I saw I saw in the distance a lighthouse. I did see a lighthouse too. So I guess that meant beach. Wherever um, the lighthouse was definitely was beach. It was probably beachy. So we were fast wrestling brawl by the lighthouse near the beach. According to Google Maps, we were pretty close to the beach. Though I never saw said beach. But Mother Nature was trying to bring the beach to us. Wow, for sure. flooding out the arena that we were in. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, Fest Wrestling's Brawl by the Beach on Friday the 8th of December. It was the first of two Fest Wrestling shows in as many days that we were able to uh, be so lucky as to attend. This one in St. Augustine, Florida was scheduled to take place at the Backyard Stage at the St. Augustine Amphitheater. And uh, Backyard Stage, I don't know if it's always existed, but apparently it is sort of like a sub-venue within the venue. I've been to the St. Augustine Amphitheater several times to, to take in some pretty uh, bitchin' concerts. Uh, Flaming Lips, most notable amongst them. And uh, actually got to be in the amphitheater that night. We didn't even get to see the backyard stage at the St. Augustine Amphitheater because before we could even get there... The St. Augustine Amphitheater, the folks, the lovely folks that hosted this event, uh, the Fest Wrestling Brawl by the Beach, decided to make the call and move it, quote-unquote, indoors. Mm -hmm. Now, it is an amphitheater, so it's not exactly indoors, and so we got a nice bit of freezing cold mist uh, that uh, hit us a few times during the show. But for the most part, there's a large canopy over this very big amphitheater. Right. Uh, I like how skeptical we are, by the way. We're like, <laughs> this is by the beach. We never saw this beach, but they say it's there. <laughs> There's this back, this backyard area. We never saw it. They say it's there. But uh, the venue uh, was kind enough to let Tony Weinbender, promoter of Fest Wrestling, bring Fest, uh, you say indoors, but not indoors, because there was that very large... Semi-indoors. A very large... Canopy, is that what that is? Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's okay. a permanent. I mean, it's a permanent fixture. Yeah. But canopy is what it is. Too bad there's no side canopies. No. Because the rain was blowing in pretty fierce. There's no walls. At an angle. Um, poor poor wrestlers had to had to grab their merch up and run off. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the weather wreaked havoc with everything, I gotta say. But it, it was kind of, it was, it, it kind of added to it in a way. All right. Now, please tell our listeners at home or in their car or at work or wherever they may be. In some people might work in their cars. They some might people work might homes. work in their cars. Some people might work in transit. <laughs> uh, I know uh, Stanley Kubrick famously worked in transit uh, most of his career. He had and, and former then, Intercontinental Champion Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interest. There's actually a really cool documentary called "S Is for Stanley." Okay. Uh, check it out on Netflix. It's pretty cool. You telling me? 
you and all of those who are listening okay. while working in transit. Well, if you're like, check if, out S's for Stanley on Netflix. It's a documentary that's kind of about Stanley Kubrick, but really it's about the life of his personal chauffeur. Interesting. Who becomes like a personal assistant to him. Anyway, he makes a comment about the fact that Kubrick was a mate, like a really big into cars. And like at first it was all Mercedes and then he wrecked a Mercedes. And so he was like, fuck Mercedes. And it became all about Porsches. He wrecked a Mercedes. Yeah. So fuck Mercedes. Right, exactly. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Regardless of whatever car he was championing at the time, he would have uh, the phone installed, made sure that all the cars in his personal fleet and his professional fleet had phones installed because he worked in the car. Okay. So hopefully we have a lot of uh, Kubrick-esque listeners out there who are working in transit. Yeah. Um, but hopefully not in a Mercedes because Kubrick says, fuck Mercedes. Indeed. You were about to ask me a question. I was going to ask you... Hopefully something about wrestling. You don't remember what you're going to ask me, do you? I have no idea. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no, no, no. That's <laughs> I remember now. I remember <laughs> Let's now. Say, if, you, if you stay at this ledge too long there, I'm not going to remember gonna, why you went on the ledge in the first no, place. No, I was going to say, tell our dear listeners, who wherever they're listening from. There you go. Perhaps in transit. Perhaps in transit. Where they might be working. Okay. In a vehicle that has a phone. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's easy now because we all have phones with us 24 hours a day. But anyway... Would you tell our listeners, the dear listeners, hashtag dear listeners, please tell them what you said to me very early on in the show about the atmosphere in general? Oh, what I mentioned when we when we were kind of watching it all happen, because we're watching Fest Wrestling not at eight seconds. Right. We're watching it at a, at a, at a fairly big arena. It's definitely a big arena for any wrestling organization. Any independent, at least. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's dark, and it's cold, and it's rainy. This feels very surreal. I feel like I'm watching Fest Wrestling in a dream. I'm, and when you said that, I completely agreed. And I was like, because that's what it felt like. It felt like a dream. Because water is sort of dampening, literally, <laughs> everything to a certain extent. Like... All the lights seem to have like a weird glow about them. Right. And everything's kind of wet to the touch. Yeah. And not kind of. Everything is Everything wet to the is touch, very yeah. wet to the touch, actually. Yeah. Including like my wool coat. Because apparently I don't I don't have a slicker. So I wear a wool coat to see how much of the rain I can absorb. You didn't have a Mac to wear? I uh, no, I did not. For those who don't know, a Mac is a raincoat in the that's old. That's English speaking. No, instead I had this ridiculously heavy, ninety five percent wool pea coat, mm-hmm. which is like a sponge for freezing cold rain. But anyway, yeah, I'm standing there watching, and everything just looks like you said, kind of surreal. Because yeah, not only is it not at eight seconds, everything is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the the ring is backed up to the stage. Which I'm glad they didn't place it on the stage. I know wrestling events... I feared they would, and I'm glad they did not. And sometimes that happens. It happens a lot with other wrestling events. Right. But it's backed up to the stage, and then on the stage is the entranceway, as well as Rich Bokini and Max Gregg announcing, Mm -hmm. so that they are facing the hard camera. So this will be interesting to watch watch back when the Fest puts its shows up on YouTube, as they always do. They're so generous to share with the whole world for free all their shows on YouTube. For the cost of free. 
And also the pink line, the, the famous Best Wrestling pink tape, since there are no barriers, there are no chairs, the pink tape was way too far away. It was there was too great of a distance, right? And we also chose poorly where to stand. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we just kind of stood somewhere, and then the show started, and we're we're standing closer to where like the the where they come in downstairs. I mean, of course, we don't we don't know what the setup is at this point, uh, because we never have been to a show at this venue, so in a wrestling took- capacity. So yeah, so we we stand next to. Next to the entryway, the wrestling happens like 15 feet in front of us. And it's just like, I feel like I'm on an island. It did. It made it all the more strange. Ooh. But hey, anyway, that, that, that was our fault. That was our poor standing oh, for sure, decision. For sure. But we had six great matches that we were lucky enough to be able to watch that night. And they were six pretty killer matches. These match-ups are insane. They were. They were very, uh, very good matches. The first four matches are all triple threat matches, and they're all qualifiers for the following night's Pickle in the Tree 2. Right. For the Pickle in the Tree ladder match. So we're going to see somebody from each of these four first matches in a ladder match against one another, and Caleb Conley, the auto qualifier, and one more from the final qualifying match that will take place at Pickle in the Tree. Right. We all speculated on the last episode, our uh, Fest Wrestling Weekend preview with Rich Bokini. Um, we all speculated on why Caleb Conley kind of got a buy. He just kind of automatically was entered in the Pickle in the Tree match. And uh, a lot of people say, you know what, he just deserves it. <laughs> because I don't know why of his involvement in the last pickle in the tree. We don't really know yet, but anyway. But he wasn't like he wasn't. He didn't draw the short straw on that. I don't think anything was really bad. He didn't draw the short pickle. I don't know. He and he also he got a main event match at uh, the at the fest. A double main event at uh, pickle in the tree. Yeah, main event at the first pickle. Right, and also, but he had the the fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in that main event scramble match, which uh, Matt Palmer ended up retaining. Why are you try to bring Caleb Conley down? He says uh, the nicest things about you. Uh, Caleb Conley doesn't know who the hell he, I he am. He doesn't know who you are. But if he did, he I would say the nicest things about you. I'm not saying unnice things about him. I'm just skeptical. Okay. No, we're all There's that in. word again. And in the opening match of the evening, Priscilla Kelly Hell's favorite harlot. There's no way to sugarcoat that. She is a rather unrighteous, demonic princessa and proud of it. She takes on Joey Ryan, the man with the bionic dong, (laughs) and Vandal. Very proud of his homeland of Turkey. Oh, I love Vandal. And one-third of Awaken. My, my favorite part about this entire show, um, it, it isn't really, but I have to say this, this is very funny. Um, this is like the first time Fest Wrestling is like an all-ages show. Right. So there's actually children at this show, right? There are quite a few children. Okay. Young children. This is the very young children. Before before this match starts, though, Tony Weinbender, promoter of Fest, uh, he's out there saying, you know, hello, hello everyone. Thank you for, for bearing through the weather and being here. First time in San Augustine, it's great to be here. You know, that, that's all great. Thank you, Tony. He leaves. These three come out. Ding, ding, ding. First match. What's the first thing you hear, Darren? Touch my dick! Oh, my God. <laughs> so there are like six or seven kids, 
like anywhere from like seven to maybe like thirteen. Thirteen is 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 guessing way high. <laughs> I'm gonna the say the first thing they hear is Joey Ryan say "Touch my dick." The first thing they hear, <sighs> it, it literally is. <laughs> we do get that brief glimpse of Tony Weinbender looking ultra sharp, yeah, in his turquoise and pastel suit uh, with his PBR tall boy, of course. But the first thing we really hear, yeah, it's Joey Ryan saying. Touch my dick. Right. And, and this, this this audience, by the way, is, is a mixed bag of people. It is half people who probably are big fans of Fest. And there's some people... Some people I recognize from the eight-second shows and um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Gainesville. But there are definitely people who are just like, Wrestling? Wanna go check out wrestling? So they're fr- the first person that walks through that curtain is Priscilla Kelly. Who, who probably, I'm sure, people are kind of like, Ugh! She's, I guess she's a gothic girl. I don't know. Joey Ryan comes out to escape, <laughs> and then and Vandal comes out, and and he looks probably the most like a wrestler out of all of them. Right, he, he's he's a lot more no frills compared to the other two. Sure. Right? Um. So so this is your first match at at uh, this new venue with these hey, people who just want who just want to see the wrestling hard, who just want to see the wrestle show on a Friday night. Um. So this is kind of interesting because it was kind of like I don't think. I, I wouldn't have thought that unless I actually was there seeing it going, yeah, I wouldn't have started off with this match. I would have started off with a bit more traditional of a yeah, match. Yeah, Priscilla, like, I mean, she's hanging off the ropes and she's flicking her tongue all around. <laughs> Joey Ryan, they're like, did he just put that lollipop into a boy's mouth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Vandal is just standing there mean mugging everybody <laughs> And screaming turkey, <laughs> we, 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 which of course made me yell. It's not Thanksgiving. Yes, of course. And, and speaking of us, we had to be uh, overly loud and obnoxious wrestling fans on this night because we had to guide people and let people know that no, no, that, that's that's awakened. You boo, you boo, awakened, boo. That's Effie. He's yeah, he's yeah, 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 yeah. We did, we did provide a service by standing near the entrance way. So we had because to because while everybody everyone. watched us, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay, you're supposed to flick off Leon yeah, Scott. You, you flick off all the awakened people. You cheer these other people that we cheer. Um, it's it's very funny. Anyway, so the the first match, of the, the first triple threat we get of the evening is uh, Priscilla Kelly, Joey Ryan, and Vandal, and it was a good, it was a, it was a great fest match. Yeah, uh, for these St. Augustine folks, I don't know how they felt, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I can't get enough of Priscilla Kelly. I, I just can't. She's, she's. I want to see her. She's delightful, and I want to see her in a singles match, whether it's at fest or somewhere else. I would like it to be at Fest because it's the coolest atmosphere. Right. But really, I, I probably need to also just get on YouTube and check out some other matches of hers. You know, she's wrestles all over Shimmer and Shine, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment. I know she resides in Atlanta, last I heard. I don't know where else all she wrestles, but I need to see more Priscilla Kelly. I need to see more singles matches. I want to see more of her actually wrestling She's got a great look. She's got a great thing going on. She's she's good. I, I think she ditched, because she used to wear the all black. And I think she ditched that because she got enough people saying, you're just trying to be Paige. I like that she's wearing the more colorful gear because it does kind of set her apart from Paige. Because unfortunately, it's really easy for the casual wrestling fan to see someone and go, 
Oh, you look like one of these wrestlers I've seen for the last 20 years. Sure. Um, so, good for her for kind of like, you know, sep- a bit more separation between her and Paige. Only because people are going to make that uh, that comparison. But uh, Priscilla does some really good stuff in this one. She does a, a forward flip from the top rope onto Vandalon, uh Jerry right on the outside. On the outside. And let me say, the hardwood floors at 8 seconds, which normally hosts Fest Wrestling's events, is hard enough. But no hardwood floor can compare with concrete. Yeah, ugh, wet concrete. And this is roughed up, wet concrete surrounding the ring at Brawl by the Beach. No mats, no canvas, no tarp, no nothing. Rough concrete. So Priscilla is the first, but will not be the last person to take a tumble from the inside of the ring onto that unforgiving ground. Right. And, uh... So Kelly does not take the dick flip. Uh, <laughs> Joey Ryan's dick flip. Vandal actually takes it with Priscilla Kelly on his back. Joey Ryan shakes off Priscilla Kelly, puts the blow pop in Priscilla Kelly's mouth, and hits her with the super kick. And then all of a sudden, waken Vandal, his buddies jump in. Wolf Taylor comes out and distracts the referee. We let everybody know by flicking them off. We flicked them off. Um, Leon Scott sneaks up and choke slams Joey Ryan. Uh, and rolls Vandal on top, and Vandal uh, steals the win from Priscilla Kelly and uh, Joey Ryan. Not cool. Not no. cool. We get to see a, 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 a caring side of Joey Ryan after this match. It was odd. It was weird. It was a little odd. Yeah, Pr- yeah. Priscilla, you know how on the show before we've described Sue Young occasionally as being like this like tortured soul? Yeah. And how despite being crazy and wild... There's, there's a certain vulnerability that occurs sometimes in the character. In her character, you can see a look on her face. Kind of got that feeling here with Priscilla, who was like doubly, triply, like run over by a bus here. And now after the match, she's slow to get up. Mm. And Joey Ryan, the last person you think would be uh, like compassionate, is coming to say like, "Hey, sorry, I super kicked you. I had to." And right? <laughs> I was just doing my job, baby. You know how it is. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. Daddy's got to work. I, I don't quite know if I if I was behind that narrative as far as storytelling because Joey Ryan shouldn't give a shit about anybody. Um, Priscilla Kelly, she shouldn't give a shit if you should give a shit or not. You know. It's kind of odd for me, but I don't know. Well, only I think it has to be in this match at least because they can't be three heels. Yeah, you know, Vandal is the clear heel by well, being Joey, part... Joey Ryan's fan favorite by just because he's Joey Ryan. Well, he's fan favorite, but it's heel tactics. But if you want him to win, that makes him the good guy. <laughs> no, for sure, right. for sure. So I mean, I don't know. It was an interesting, it was an interesting finish. No, I see what you're saying for sure. Not what I expected to see out of Joey Ryan or Priscilla Kelly. I'll say that much. Well, I, 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 uh, I, I assumed uh, trickery on Vandal's part uh, with his buddies in Awaken, but uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of an odd, odd situation after the match with those three. But anyway, uh, so good stuff, good match, and that's it. We're underway. Next match, next triple threat match, of course, another qualifier for the pickle in the tree. Which, by the way, Vandal is joining Caleb Conley in that group, that pickle-in-the-tree group. That second match involves uh, two more of those Awakened boys who basically had just run off stage, only to run back <laughs> out on stage again. 
Um, Wolf Taylor comes out with Leon Scott. Uh, we turn our backs, we flip him off. Leon Scott very rudely pulls the hood off my head of, of my, my hoodie, uh, which I didn't appreciate when I'm trying to flip you off. Don't mess with me, Leon. Um... <laughs> Okay, I had it coming to me. And that goes double for you, Wolfie. Yeah! You. And they took on our boy, friend of the show, Effie. So, bad situation here, because obviously Effie has nothing but bad blood between uh, himself and Awaken. So he has to take on not one, but two members of Awaken. Two on one, any way you slice it. Yeah, it's a triple threat match. But really, Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor, his most close ally of all, like Wolfie Taylor Wolfie right T. there. He, I mean, he's just, he's a lap wolf. Ooh. He's a lap wolf for Leon Scott. And, uh, of course, he's going to do his bidding. And this will be interesting, actually. Right. Wolf begins to assert himself a little bit in this match. I mean, goes for some pins, you know, disagrees with Leon a little bit and uh, that was really fun to watch. It was it was a cool dynamic storyline wise and I was really excited to see how it would go. I did like how it went with uh, Leon basically standing back and letting Wolf Taylor wrestle Effie for him. Um, because why 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 exert yourself man? Just step back and let it happen. So Leon Scott's kind of standing back and he starts talking to the crowd, talking to us um, which is, is pretty funny. <laughs> um, but I mean, well, while it's going on, that's entertaining in its own, but Wolf, Wolf and Effie are having a really good, like, grappling match. They really are. Yeah. Like, one of my favorite things to, to see is Effie wrestle. Oh, now, yeah. one of my favorite things is to see Effie, period. One of my favorite things is to see Effie wrestle, meaning pro wrestling style. And now we've seen him wrestle hard, hardcore style as well. But whether it was to prove a point to Stevie Fierce or whether it was just to try and outmatch Wolf Taylor, to see Effie wrestle with like these like mat skill, like this mat wrestling abilities and a sort of catch as catch can, if you will, I'm super impressed. Super impressed with the Golden Boy of Grab Ass when he is not only grabbing ass, but he's grabbing a wrist lock. All of a sudden, he's got a chin lock, and he's got you twisted up into a damn pretzel. Yeah, absolutely. Effie showing off them them uh, grappling skills. Uh, eventually, though, even though Effie is starting to get the, the upper hand on Wolf Taylor, Leon Scott decides to intervene with a devastating forearm that just levels poor Effie. So all of a sudden, now it is officially two-on-one against Effie. Uh, Effie, though, rallies. He throws them both out of the ring but can't quite capitalize. Uh, Leon Scott grabs a chair and hits poor Effie, and uh, this thing gets nasty and it goes out onto the uh, to the seats, the stadium seats, uh, which were empty for the most part because everyone's up, you know, against the ring, trying to see the action as close as they can, of course. So it goes out the seats for a while. They basically trade blows out there. That that <laughs> that place was surrounded by people. I couldn't quite see what was going on, but just looked like a slugfest basically out in the seats. The thing comes back to the ring eventually. Effie actually does a springboard. Like, a, a, he springboards backwards, but Awaken catches him and does, like, a double powerbomb to him, which is devastating. Uh, I was like, no! They know that trick, Effie. They know it. One of the most impressive things I thought about this battle, too, in addition to Effie sort of, like, being like a, almost like a, a wrestling technician, is 
that he does stuff like that, like that back springboard. It he threw himself literally and figuratively uh, against these guys because he knew it was going to take everything he had to defeat two guys, two guys at once legally, you know, can fight him here, and that's what he's up against the entire time, and the way he fought. And the situations that that obviously now creates between Leon and Wolf. Mm-hmm. Very fun to watch go down. You never knew exactly what was going to happen. Oh, is this where Wolf turns on him? Right. Is this where Wolf goes for his own personal glory? Goes into business for himself? And right here, that's this is when you start seeing that happen where Effie... Effie's basically down, but of course Wolf and Leon can't decide who's going to actually get the victory. Because again, the winner does go on to Pickle... I'm sure Leon wants it for himself, but Wolf, Wolf, he wouldn't mind having that Fest Wrestling Championship as well. Uh, so again, it's it's just more of them, more of the infighting going on here. They go to double suplex Effie, but Effie squirms out of it. It's a double DDT, um, and eventually Effie gets the uh, Dragon Sleeper on Wolf Taylor. But when Effie sees uh, Leon up at the top rope, throws uh, Wolf into Leon, knocking him off the top rope. At some point, there does seem to be a little bit of miscommunication between Leon and Wolf. Uh, it's a little distracting, but like I've said a million times before, when things don't look super polished in wrestling, I'm all for it. It seems more real, and so it appears more real, and it feels more real. So, But it's at that point at which things kind of fall apart, ultimately, for Awaken. Yes, indeed. Leon Scott goes to get Effie to finally put the nail in Effie's coffin, but uh, Effie kind of squirms out of Leon Scott's hold and rolls him up for the pin with every last ounce of uh, of can-do attitude in his bones, and he gets the win on Leon Scott, so Effie gets to move on. He overcame the odds, overcame adversity. That's our boy Effie. And as a result, that means we get to see Effie the next night at 8 Seconds Saloon in Gainesville, Florida for Pickle in the Tree 2 in his second consecutive Pickle in the Tree ladder match. Can't wait to see that. And dear listeners, we will be talking about Pickle in the Tree 2 next week. Yes, indeed. But we are going to continue talking about Brawl by the Beach now. In the third qualifying match for the Pickle in the Tree ladder match, we have Carlina Gore making her return to Fest Wrestling. This behorned demoness, she breathes fire and smoke. Not enough fire to keep us warm, though. I was hoping for more of that fire. I got a little warm. Got a little warm. Got a little warm. She takes on Jason Cade, one half of pop culture, still apparently looking for his other half. But luckily, Frank Gastineau, referee, was (laughs) there to kind of fill in for Veda Scott. I like that. That was funny. He went for the, the slide under the ropes pose when he came in for his entrance and typically Veda Scott's above him posing. He looked up, no Veda, runs over and grabs Frank Gassino and makes Gassino do the Veda Scott thing. Uh, that was pretty funny. However, I mean, Veda, Veda hasn't been around in a while, so it's kind of like Jason Cade might want to do his, his own thing when, you know, Veda Scott's not around. Yeah, he will be a little different. He uh, needs to be Jason Cade, not Jason Cade of pop culture. Right. No, absolutely. If it's a singles match. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, the third competitor in this contest is Desmond Xavier. You were very quick to point out 
how, as his last name is Xavier, across <laughs> the seat of his trunks right. is spelled his last name Xavier with the X looking much like the X from X-Men. Yes. Which, of course, uh, much like Charles Xavier, founder of the X-Men. Right. So that was a nice little comic book nod on, on the part of Desmond Xavier. And Desmond Xavier is going to be on fire in this match and not because Carlina Gore is, Carlina Gore is set, set him fire okay. to him. No, we will get to see, I think three gigantic fireballs from Carlina yeah, Gore. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm learning more about her now that like out, outside of wrestling. I mean, that's sort of like one of her things. She's a stunt woman. She's a model. She's a photographer herself. She is a Jill of all trades and one of them is a fire breather, like circus performer. It sounds slash... like she'd be a match for me on my eHarmony profile. <laughs> These are all the things I look forward to in a in a mate. Well, um, she may yet, Mister Frodo. She may yet. <laughs> so keep swiping. I'm not on eHarmony, by the oh, way. Okay. I, I'm, Do you I'm swipe on, I'm on, on Tinder. That? I'm kidding. I'm not on Tinder. You're on Grinder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's, but it's not the it's not the grinder you're thinking of, folks. It's actually a sandwich app. Yeah. Uh, I'm yes. also on Hoagie. Yes, I couldn't I couldn't think of another name for a huge sandwich other than submarine sandwich. Submarine, that's not good. There's another one. There's another one, and it's not it's not important. It's really not important. Desmond so we, Xavier. So we talk about it for 20 minutes. Desmond Xavier is is. Uh, uh, blows me away in this match. We, uh, I, I've seen him like Carlina Gore blows you away with a fireball. That's true. That's okay. true. Carlina Gore is, and I mean this in the best way possible. She outdoes herself here. Like she performed so much uh, above what I had expected. Uh, because with this stiff of competition with Jason Cade and Desmond Xavier, I thought surely she will be uh, outshone. Whoa, whoa. And not at all. Yeah, I, I, she I is, called her a uh, Huracarana machine. Right, and none of them <laughs> yeah. none of them looked cheap. No. None of them looked phony or forced. None of I they didn't feel redundant. They were sharp and crisp and they seemed uh, dominant. Like they they seemed I don't know, they seemed very impressive. Yeah. Um and I was impressed all all around by Carlina Gore's performance. But it was Desmond Xavier that, to me, there was an ultra crispness to his fighting in this match. The way he... His footwork is incredible. His balance is outstanding. And he literally flies through the air with the greatest of ease. The greatest of ease. Uh, that And that's, to me, that's what separates him, not only in this match, but pretty much any time I see Desmond Xavier. But on this night, it was no different. There was such an ease to everything he does. This dude does not get winded. This dude barely breathes. He is flying around and jumping and flipping around and making incredible landings, beating the snot out of people, and not that snot with an H, and not breathing heavy. Yeah, no, that's no, impressive as shit. No, this this match is full of good spots, man. Um, Jason Cade hits Rolling Thunder on Xavier. It uh, was pretty awesome. Oh, I always appreciate seeing that. Uh, Jason Cade tries to slam uh, Carlina Gore, but Gore reverses it to a textbook Canadian Destroyer. Um, really, really good. Another another example of uh, all the good things said about Carlina Gore. Yeah, that might have been the coolest moment of the match. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty slick. Definitely. Um, 
Kate hits the power slam on Xavier, however, and the pin. And uh, <laughs> Kate moves on into that pickle in the tree match for the next night. It's funny because Frank Gastineau uh, <laughs> picks up <laughs> Desmond Xavier and carries him back like a like a child. Yeah, uh, that was pretty funny. Um, so now Jason Cade will be in his second consecutive pickle in the tree yeah, ladder match, man. and luckily this time there's not a bus to be thrown off of, and no no Teddy Stigma either. Not yet. Not yet. Next up is the final of the night's four qualifying triple threat matches, the winner of which will go on to the Pickle in the Tree ladder match the next night in Gainesville, Florida, at Fest Wrestling's Pickle in the Tree 2. And this match is a bad-ass High Flyers match. Yeah. Serpentico. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Serpentico. Serpentico, a.k.a. John Cruz, Jonathan Cruz, formerly of Team Lucha. Yo! Lucha, 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 Lucha. Taking on Darby Allen and Shane Strickland. Three-way dance, triple threat match, every man for himself. And these are three badass fighting dudes. Yeah. Uh, first impression of the match, of course, uh, when Shane Strickland came out uh, to Shaka Khan, is he should never, ever change his entrance music, because that entrance music is so fucking perfect. I hope he hasn't, yeah, I hope, and I, I hope he never will. I heard a rumor that he may have changed his entrance theme. No. Shane, do not. If anyone can come out to Shaka Khan, and I believe a wrestler is coming out to wrestle... It is you, my friend. It is you. It is totally you, Shane Strickland. Please come out to Ain't Nobody Always. <laughs> yeah, this, this is just a great match. I mean, really, these, these three guys can put on a hell of a show. Darby Allen and Shane Strickland were actually uh, foes the night before at MLW, so they were already beaten and bruised and bloodied from that, and they come into this match with Serpentico. Serpentico himself was at MLW the night before. So all these guys were at MLW, so they all have their battle scars from the night before, and man, you, they didn't miss a step because this this match is out of sight, man. Shane Strickland definitely didn't miss a step. Unfortunately, he didn't he, miss the step. He didn't miss the steps. He didn't miss <laughs> yeah. the steps. And a one rather unfortunate incident, Shane Strickland lands very, very hard with part of his ass on the wooden stairs that go up into the ring. And it looked like a pain in the ass, if you will. <laughs> I believe you said my ass hurts a few times. Uh it, it didn't it did not look good. It look it was a hard it was a hard, hard bump. Right. And uh, Darby Allen uh, actually capitalizes on that and throws Strickland up on the steps and gives him a vicious DDT on the uh, ring stairs. Let me say about Darby Allen, this dude is a, a living muscle. That dude is so rock hard in every like place that there's a muscle that is visible in his half-naked body. <laughs> it's incredible. He's like Bruce Lee. He's like a white Bruce Lee. It is like it, he is sinewy. And, uh, like, is just like, oh my god, dude, like, he's just wound tight like a spring. Which is what I guess enables him to bounce around and fly and repel like he does. Yeah. I bet it helps to move around uh, when you're in really, really good shape, huh? I, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't know about that at all. Um, Strickland hits a suplex on Serpentigo onto Darby Allen in the ring. 
uh, which looked really painful and, and wonderful for us fans. Um, Serpentico Plant Strickland with a Tilt-to-World DDT, uh, which looked very, very nice. Some of that, uh, I guess, with the Lucha Libre style that Serpentico spoke of, that we spoke of on the interview with Serpentico. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, if you missed that, that's last week's episode, that dear is listeners. last week's episode. Hopefully, Check it out. Yeah, hopefully you didn't miss it. Yeah, Darby does come down with that coffin drop, but it's not enough because Serpentico makes Darby Allen tap to an arm bar. Now, Darby Allen's arm was taped up, a little bit his elbow taped up, probably from the night before shenanigans, and does Serpentico use that to capitalize? Interesting, interesting finish, uh, an arm bar. It, I wasn't looking for a submission to finish out this match. I was thinking right? of Springboard 450 Corkscrew Plancha uh, 930 uh, at around that time. Which <laughs> 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 I think it was around that time. Um, for the for the win here. So yeah, just an armbar. I was like, oh wow, it's happened the armbar. That's great. But of course, Darby Allen, benefit the doubt, was hurting the night before. Um, he, he just didn't want it as bad as Serpentico did because Serpentico is moving on to the Pickle and the Tree match. And then, that night in St. Augustine, it was time for intermission. After these four triple threat qualifying matches for the Pickle in the Tree ladder match the following night at Pickle in the Tree 2 in Gainesville, we will now enjoy the sounds of Los Murmurs. Mm-hmm. Los Murmurs, I think they most of the time are the Murmurs, mm-hmm. but uh, once they put on their... Lucha Libre Mexican wrestling masks, they become Los Murmurs. I'll have to check Google Translate to see if that's a correct translation. It might not be. It might not be. Because I don't know if Murmurs is the same in both English (laughs) and in Spanish. I also don't think you spell Murmurs M-E-R-M-E-R, but they do. Okay. So I don't know what a murmur is when spelled M-E-R-M-E-R. But I do know what the music sounds like, and it's bitchin'. It's really good. It's uh, instrumental. Uh, there was a lot of covers, I believe, in there. All instrumental. At least half of them are covers. Right. Uh, anywhere from like ska punk to almost reggae punk. Mm-hmm. A little bit of uh, like a rockabilly. And uh, it's all of those types of music uh, done instrumental fashion is fun as shit and danceable as hell. And not that we were going to do much dancing on that wet concrete, but I tell you what, it was... The- <laughs> or, or, let's face it, if the concrete were dry, we still would have done too much Oh, dancing. no, I would have done... I would have been, would have been tearing it up. Oh, yeah, I would have been yeah. cutting a rug. Yeah. But there were no rugs to cut. That's true. They pulled the rugs so they didn't get wet uh, since we were getting that sideways rain. But I tell you what, this was the best possible soundtrack for me to visit the food truck. Ah. That's right. And I'm going to say this, there should be a food truck present at any public gathering. I don't care if it's Fast Wrestling, Billy Bob's Wrestling, World Wrestling Entertainment, WrestleMania, the the G8 Summit. Uh, yeah. It's funny, too, because you said at intermission, and I thought, was the band called Intermission for a second there? <laughs> I thought that'd be kind of a cool name for a band. Intermission, I always thought a cool name for a band would be, and many more. Oh, nice, right. Because it's like, oh, there's more? Like, do you have more to add? Like, no, 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 that's, that's the name no, of the band. No, that's just them. That's one of those things. But then you like, might be setting yourself up to disappoint people. That, that, that's one of those things where you say it and you think, like, oh, because it's called this because it's funny. And then if you say it, like, a thousand times, you forget that it's a joke. So when you tell it to someone else who doesn't know, they go, oh, I get it. And you go, like, what? Oh, yeah, I guess. Oh, I don't even get my own joke yeah, anymore. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. In conclusion... 
bacon macaroni and cheese steaming hot while you're standing up in a beachside winter rainstorm. Allegedly beachside. <laughs> watching wrestling can't be beat. You can't beat it. Can't beat it with a stick. And I tried. I tried to beat the macaroni and cheese with a stick. It said, <laughs> please don't just eat me. Okay. So I did. Well, it was talking macaroni and cheese. We've got to talk about that. <laughs> food trucks. Uh, yes. Hashtag food trucks. Hashtag more food trucks. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. Back to the action. The ugly ducklings. Quack. 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 Rob Killjoy, Lance Lude, joined, as always, by their charismatic leader and coach. Their spiritual leader, if you will. <laughs> coach Mikey. They will take on Tech through two equally charming heterosexuals. And still, when Frankie say relax, uh, I can't get enough. I get, I get giggly. I get so excited. Here, here's a good example of of you forget it's a joke because they've heard their theme song so many times they probably don't think about it. They go, okay, like hey, 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 Mike Monroe, it's time to go wrestle. Hey, Trevor, it's time to wrestle. I hear it and go <laughs> right. He goes to Hollywood. I oh uh, man, and but it, it affects me on a lot of levels. Like not only am I giggly, I I, I really. And fully enthused. Like, I, I, I'm on board for that music and on board for these dudes as a team. They're great. And considering one year ago, we were pretty critical on tech and did just be like, who the fuck are these guys? These not top guys. Uh, to me, they've come a long way. They really have. Uh, and I'm actually very curious, where the fuck is Jim Sherbert? I Can someone from tech please... Get in touch with us and let us know where Jim Sherbert is. Please let us know. Uh, we worry. I I'm just saying... That my Where's Jim Sherbert chant <laughs> did not catch on. Did not catch on. It did not catch on. My hashtag Where's Jim Sherbert seems to have not caught on. Only pictures that I hashtag with Where's Jim Sherbert match hashtag Where's Jim Sherbert. I think there need to be more. Jim Sherbert is on multiple milk cartons right now. Uh, I've gotten, no one has called the hotline that I set up for him. There's flies everywhere. <laughs> I will say this. I, I, I'm pretty sure now I'm going to check Instagram one day and I'm going to see, I'm going to, I'm going to follow up on my hashtag. Where's Jim Sherbert, uh, hashtag. And it's going to be like my nine pictures. And then there's going to be one and it's going to be like, like a latitude and longitude. And it's like, it's going to be like a Zodiac case <laughs> or it's like, <laughs> Somebody has Jim Sherbear, or maybe it's Jim Sherbear himself. I, I was gonna say you're gonna like look in your your bathroom mirror, and oh. you'll see Jim Sherbear standing behind you. Oh my! You turn God. around, he's not gonna be there. Be like uh, Hollywood Hogan seeing the Ultimate yeah. Warrior, <laughs> <laughs> which somehow the camera can see and the people at home can see, but Eric Bischoff cannot see. Okay, enough about that. So what are we saying? Are we saying Eric Bischoff cannot see real talent? Oh, oh wow! Wow! That means you're real talent, Jim Sherbert. So come back. That's right. Come back. And to talk us. shit some. And I, I man, I've seen this a thousand times. I feel like Tech versus Other Ducklings, and it never disappoints. It's always such a good match. Oh yeah, it only makes me want to see it a thousand more times. Right. Absolutely. Um, and it gets physical really quickly. These guys get in the ring and they start going at it. Um, what I love is the ducklings that they they. 
They don't take themselves seriously, but they take themselves seriously kind of a way. Tech super takes themselves seriously, but it's in, in a comedic way. Right. Um, and yet, despite all the comedy, not a comedy match. Exactly. This is not comedy filler. It's not comedy fodder. This is highly skilled wrestling. And uh, Rob Killjoy picks up a bottle of water and he spits it all over, uh, all over Tech. But I think a lot of it... Ends up on me, actually, uh, sitting right behind <laughs> Tech. It's like, ah, yeah, but, but cool, because it's wrestling. Um, <laughs> it's all cool because of wrestling. It's all cool because of wrestling. It, it stands on the outside for a while. The, the, the scuffle lasts for quite a bit out in the wild. And then it goes into the crowd, like, and I can't see what's going on anymore. So it's like, uh, probably pretty cool. I don't know. Um, but it uh, does eventually get back into the ring again. And, of course, they start pulling out the doors. <laughs> underneath the ring because there's always doors instead of tables around or just tables also but it seemed to be more doors i think tony mentioned he had a he had a door guy um <laughs> so and he you know, doesn't mean jim morrison yes so whatever uh whatever wooden uh, uh surface would work right to go through it hurts. well sure i mean i guess it hurts not, either way exactly and if tony's you know, big buddies with the door impresario of yeah. Gainesville, Florida. Then again, I, there's probably a condemned hotel somewhere just missing all of its <laughs> doors. Uh, well, they don't need them anymore. You would be right about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, Tech's trying to use the door to their advantage. Uh, big Mike Monroe is holding the door up in the ring, and uh, Lude and uh, Trevor Reed of Tech are going at it. And uh, Lude actually runs up the door. Um, Liu Kang, Mortal Kombat style. <laughs> uh, any, any chance I get to reference that? Um, <laughs> runs up the door and uh, delivers that re- like a reverse DDT on Trevor Reed, uh, which was awesome. Awesome to watch all that happen. Yeah, Lance Lude is capable of a lot of Mortal Kombat-like things because he apparently possesses superhuman abilities. I think, I think he trained with the Lin Kuei. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I said about Mortal Kombat reference, everybody? (laughs) You know how I said, uh, like, like Darby Allen is sort of that, like, living one muscle? Like, his whole body is one, (laughs) like, crazy, tightly... I'm starting to hope the wrestlers don't listen to these reviews, because the way we describe them. But that is, that's Lance Lude, too. And when you're built like that, you have the ability... To do things with your vessel, your mortal coil, right. that most people couldn't ever do. Not even other wrestlers. And that, like, run up doors and run up walls and and fly. Like, literally fucking fly like an ugly duckling. Right. And that's a testament, testament to the amazing abilities of Lance Lude. Yeah, unfortunately, this match doesn't stay two-on-two two for long. Um, because the Gymnasty Boys, who I noticed were lurking in the shadows earlier, thought maybe they came just to scope out their their opponents for the next night. Well, they were... They as, were... As, as, if as if they've never seen that we'd like wrestling before. Uh, they, they may have been new to that. I don't know. Because of Pick on the Tree, it was going to be all three teams going at it. Um, but uh, they, can't, they can't help themselves. No, they can't. And I, 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 too, thought, well, maybe they're just... Maybe they're just here to scout. I mean, you know... <laughs> Timmy, Timmy Lou Retton, he had on a, a Christmas sweater. He did. I thought maybe he was just being festive. Why would he want to potentially, you know, snag, you know, that sweater? And, uh, you know, White Mike, uh, well, you know, 
He, he definitely took his shoe off. He did. They actually before ran in, storming the ring. They were, I think they both ran in with their shoes and sort of beating the ducks pretty badly with them. What, what's worse is uh, the referee just kind of had to stand there and watch it happen. I guess this was no DQ. I, I don't I don't remember. I don't... I, don't I feel like most be, fest matches are no DQ. And I don't think at this point it would matter because <laughs> what would the referee really do against... Six or including Coach Mikey, seven uh, crazy, equally charming heterosexuals. <laughs> yes, sec seven equally charming <laughs> heterosexuals. I like it. Seven equally ass beating uh, individuals, right? And they are all at each other's throats. Here, a referee would stand no chance, right? So it's 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 nasty at this point. It's it's, it's gym nasty uh, at this point. Uh, a lot going down. The Ducks, however, do uh, make a comeback. And this is hilarious. They each throw a, a, a different gymnasty boy up the stadium stairs. And the gymnasty boys, they keep running until they get to the very top of the uh, of the arena. Oh, yeah, because by throw, of course, you mean Irish whip. Right, right. It's an Irish it's whip. just like playing No, no Mercy, Mercy for 64. Nintendo 64. Oh, my God, yes. In oh. which you threw them... Uh, you Irish whip them in one direction. <laughs> the laws of inertia yeah. state they will move they until stopped. Going, yes, indeed. And uh, I, I guess uh, White Mike was happening further to my left. I happen to be standing right behind Timmy Lou Retton as he is launched upward and forced to run up all of the stadium steps there in the. <laughs> amphitheater. Yeah, that was that was pretty great. Uh, I gotta say that was that was a really funny fucking spot. Um, so back in the ring again. Uh, this time the door is propped up in the corner. Uh, Mike Monroe is sitting down in front of the door in the corner. Uh, Killjoy launches Lude. That launch pad McQuack is what I've, I've heard some people refer to it as. That's Twitter. what it's called. I don't know if that's official or not. You, you're pretty sure it is? Though? I'm pretty positive. All right, I don't want to say anything wrong. I'm sure the Ducklings have no problems uh, correcting me. If I get that wrong, but um, yeah, so bring it on, ducklings. So kill, don't don't encourage them. So Killjoy <laughs> launches Lude into Mike. The door does not break. Uh, they bounce off the door. Um, Killjoy has Reed on shoulders, and a Lude comes down with those double knees into a pin, and that's it. Ducklings, they beat Tech in spite of those gymnasty boys, but uh, they'll be seeing them again. The next night. The ugly ducklings are proving themselves to be quite the dominant tag team. Now, I remember when we first saw the ugly ducklings, they had a lot of championship gold around their waist. They did. Are, are they still carrying all that gold? Do they need it at this point? Isn't it understood that they're champions? Well, they go? The, yes, but I, I again, I'm going to just put my two cents in here that we need some fast tag belts so oh, that we can. No, don't, don't, don't. So that the ducklings, the ducklings need that fast tag gold. They do. They do. Well, and in the meantime, they can hopefully get that love cup, that coveted tag team oh, love cup. Yeah, which that's coming up in February, of course. But that does bring us to the main event of the evening, folks. Best Wrestling Champion Sue Young takes on the new number one contender, Beastly. Now, Beastly won that number one contendership when he won the PBR Wildman Cup at uh, the last show, We Are Family. And this is it. This is for the Fest Wrestling Championship. 
Sue Young, reigning champion for a year. Yeah. The undead bride, the blood bride herself. She is the embodiment of Fest Wrestling at this point. She's the face of the company for sure. She's the sting of the company, and that's not because of the white and black face paint. Um, she's the franchise she's the franchise. Player. She's the icon, um, and she fights Beastly. Now, Sue Young comes out with the belts and the kendo stick, which I believe has like a, a, a beach bucket. Has like a, those little kids beach bucket yes, sets on top right. of the kendo yeah, stick. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a pail inside of a pail. It's like a Russian nesting doll, exactly. but with beach buckets. So Sue comes out first, and then Beastly comes out second. Now, what's wrong about that statement, Darren? The champion should always come the out last. The champion should always come out last. I don't oh, know. Oh, that I, gets me. I don't know why no one adheres to that anymore. If you're not Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan or The Rock. Or The Undertaker. Or The Undertaker, then... And you might say, guys, that's a lot of exceptions. No, that's four. No, those, those are the accurate <laughs> that's exceptions. That's four. Those are the only ones. Those are the only ones. Uh, champion comes out last. That's for everyone out there. I'm not just sticking it to Fest Wrestling. I'm sticking it to all y'all out there. WWE does it quite a bit these days, and it drives me fucking up the wall. Um, so it starts out, it, it's a tough call. Because even these people who aren't familiar with Fest in the, uh, in the crowd here... Even they kind of like both of these wrestlers. Yeah, that and, was and, pretty neat. And the Fest Faithful, they of course like both these wrestlers too. So it's hard to get behind someone. But I think people tend to get behind Sue in general. Just because she is the champion. She's been the Faithful champion. She is the Sting. And she's kind of just badass. And she's a badass. Because let me, let, me take, let me take what you said for a second and, and look at it and say... Let's talk about those 7 to 11-year-olds that were in attendance. <laughs> Let's talk about those 40, 50, 60, or maybe even 80 people that had never seen a Fest Wrestling show before. What are they making of Sue Young and Beastly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They see these two people, they're like, wow, this is the main event. And I don't mean that they're, like, disappointed. They're probably just shocked and awed. This... Absolutely insane. I, I actually believe that she is both undead and a bride. And I, I believe that this hirsute man who is making, like, Shemp Howard faces <laughs> might actually be from the wilds of Borneo. Right. Like, where did these two creatures come from? It's like a monster movie. It's like an old universal... Pictures monster movie collision. Mm -hmm. It's like when King Kong uh, collided with Godzilla. Right. Like, what are we looking at here? Yeah, it is uh, enigmatic force against enigmatic force. Like, right. Yeah. That's what's so cool about it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's it's definitely not. Yeah, here's here's Joe Joe Timmons versus Johnny Slattery, Billy Youngnuts. <laughs> All right. Got a really bad at making up fake names on the fly. Here's Zimmy Zabzoob and Zimmy I'm I'm horrible. Anyway, a lot of Z's. A lot of Z's. They're, they're Polish. So what I'm saying is the crowd is kind of behind both these people. It's a cheering contest right off the bat. It is to see who's going to get the most applause. You think Sue Young wouldn't quite give a shit about that, but she does. She's like, I want I want the applause. Why not? Um, so it becomes a cheering contest that lasts for a little while. Uh, there is a standoff with their weapons. Of course, Sue has that kendo stick. 
Uh, Beastly has the chains, which I, I would definitely wish I would have chains in that, in that yeah. matchup. I probably heard a little bit more. Yeah, I'll take a kendo stick between the eyes before I'll take a chain anywhere yeah. near to the anywhere. My, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the ref makes them put their weapons down, um, and then they both disappear under the ring for a little bit, and they come out on opposite ends with PBRs, and uh, they battle on the outside with the PBRs, <laughs> and this row of children is getting doused in beer. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's okay. By the way, these kids had a really good time. They're like giving the middle finger to like Leon Scott and shit like that. And all the people they don't like, they're booing. And it, it, it's cool. So those, those parents had to be very fucking cool, by the way. Oh, They go yeah. like, what the? No, we're getting out of here. Like, this is this is not for children. And it's not. To be fair, they could have left and been like, yeah, not cool. We got to go. So th- th- there is that, of course. Instead, they were cool parents who said... Let's let these kids live a little. And guess what? Those kids are never, ever going to forget Brawl by the Beach. No, never. They probably all want to either drink PBR immediately or become wrestlers. Or see the next fest show in St. Augustine, which will be... Which will be the first of two nights of Love is a Battlefield 2. Indeed. In February 2018. Stay tuned, folks. Yes, indeed. The action goes back into the ring once more, and it stays out outside for a long time. Actually, it's a pretty pretty gnarly battle on the outside. I think Sue hits her uh, her forward flip into Beastly on the outside, but they get back into the ring again, and Sue puts on the glove and puts on the mandible claw onto Beastly. Beastly bites her hand though. Oh, like a Beastly, which would. is great offense in general. But also for Beastly, it makes total sense that he would do that. So yeah, it totally bites. He, yeah, he's like, fingers, nom, nom, nom. Exactly, nom, nom, nom. You don't put your hands that close to a beast. So yeah, Beastly bites Sue's hand and then hits a Michinoku driver on Sue. Uh, Sue kicks out at two, even though it was a devastating Michinoku driver. And uh, this leads to them going for their weapons again. Beastly ends up with the kendo stick and actually uh, chases Sue Young out of the ring. Sue Young disappears to the entranceway. Don't know where Sue is at this point. Beastly goes after her. Then all of a sudden, on the stage, behind commentary, behind Rich and behind uh, Max, you see Sue has a flaming kendo stick and is battling Beastly with the kendo stick. And it's like, oh my god, this is a dream. This is a surreal fest wrestling dream I'm having. I definitely hope that uh, Speedy, who is... uh the premier fest wrestling photographer got some cool shots of that. Um, or else the videography team uh, got some cool shots of that. Cause it was, it was really cool to see from where we were standing, but we didn't have the best vantage point yeah. and it seemed very brief. So the idea of getting to see that over and over again on video uh, in the future is, is a very exciting thing. And if it's captured by speedy, the way he captured Carlina Gore's, uh, ringside fireball. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's going to be a very cool piece of wrestling history. So the action does come back to the ring, and Beastly gets a table out. Uh, they battle on the top rope for a bit to see who is going to go through that table. Beastly's trying to get Sue, trying to maybe suplex Sue under that table. But Beastly gets the mist in the eyes, and Sue just pushes Beastly backwards into the table. Um, Beastly recovers though, grabs Sue's fest wrestling belt, tries to hit Sue, uh, Sue pushes the belt into Beastly's face, basically knocking out Beastly, 
And then Sue goes ahead and she throws that claw back on, even though Beastly's more or less out cold on his back, shoulders to the mat. Wait, Sue what'd on you say? top trying to submit Beastly. Technically, Sue is pinning Beastly this whole time, but I think eventually Beastly is just out. They just count Beastly out. Which means, either way, even if it could have been a pin, could have easily been a pin, or submission, either way, Beastly was not getting up anytime soon. Is it a pin? Is it a submission? Is it a knockout? Is it a pass out? It's a win it's for It's all Sue of the above. Young. Yeah, it's Yay. a win for Sue Young. Win for Sue Young, folks. So that's how Brawl by the Beach ends, with Sue Young defeating Beastly. This young upstart, this usurper to Sue's throne... Uh, is ousted by uh, the Undead Bride herself, the queen, the reigning queen of Fest Wrestling. Nice shot, yeah. Beastly, nice but shot. Uh, it was close, a good match. but no cigar. It was a good match. Uh, the, the cool thing, the cool and unfortunate thing about Sue Young being the champion for an entire year is every show she gets a fresh opponent, which is very cool. Yeah. Like a lot of people in Fest, they tend to, to, to you know, you see the same faces. And the ring together from show to show. Um, so you can't really get a storyline going with Sue because she's going to have a fresh opponent every single time. Sure. Uh, which has been great. It's been interesting. I, I think every match has been different. You know, I, I never saw, I, I don't, I can't think of a match that Sue has had with anyone else that even closely resembles Beastly match or Chuck Taylor match or Jessica Havoc match or Sammy Callahan match or Holodead match. They've all been very different in very good ways. Um, and I, uh, I, if, if Sue does lose the title at any point, you know, she has to lose eventually, right? Or does she? Um, she doesn't have to. The cool thing about it. You have to beat her. That's the thing. You have to beat her. The cool thing about it is I'd like to, I'd like to see her in like a triple threat match or a fatal four away match or like a six man tag environment, you know? Um, so that's been a cool thing for Sue to have, uh, different opponents every time. And like I said, the Beastly match, I, I don't know what I expected. I was kind of like, well, this should be interesting. And it was, but it was interesting in a good way. And it told a good story and I, I enjoyed it. I think this, this whole venture out to St. Augustine, it was successful given that the weather was horrible. Uh, you know, Friday night, first time in a new city for a wrestling promotion, I thought it was great. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It was absolutely great. I think that uh, this is, you, you have room to grow here. Um, I know that Tony Weinbender has already said, we're coming back. We'll yeah. be we'll be back in the St. Augustine Amphitheater come February because it will be night one of the two-night Love is a Battlefield 2, which you will seek to crown the second annual Love Cup champs, the winners of the Love is a Battlefield Tag Team Tournament Love Cup. Yeah. And uh, we're going to see night one of that in February, which will be here before you know it. Before it's, we know it. It's so. almost Christmas time. January always flies by, and then it'll be February, and there we will be. That's indeed true. So that was our review for Brawl by the Beach, and our review for Pickle in the Tree 2 will be on next week's episode, folks, so tune in for that. Basically, a two-parter. Uh, some storylines do kind of cross over into the next night, uh, which is very cool. We'll get into more of that, obviously, when we review Pickle in the Tree 2. And uh, that's it! We hope you enjoyed the episode. Yes, we do. We hope you enjoy every episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle the whole ref and show, 
And uh, you always tune in to hear us. That's right, you do. And uh, you can always voice your opinions, tell us if you liked it or not. Hopefully you did. Contact us on Twitter, at Ref and Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can find us on Facebook, like and share. Tell your friends. If you're a fan of our show or you're an irate wrestler from Fest who didn't like the way we described your <laughs> match, uh, shoot us an email uh, at the whole ref and show at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-A-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or... or there's always that trusty old, pretty old, fun old Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at the whole ref and show T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W. Like our pictures, comment, start conversations, answer questions. Hey, correct us. You know, I I thought my, I thought White Mike was doing the safety dance. Timmy Lou Redden corrected us this week and said, "No, it's the Destructo Disc." Yeah, man. So you can correct us too. You can follow us. And, and build our Instagram army even larger. That is right, folks. And uh, again, tune in next week. We'll get the results of Clash of Champions. And we'll have your Pickle 2 uh, review. And we'll have some special guests stopping by on the show as well. Quack. Quack. Oh, that's all the hint you get, Quack. folks. That's all the hint you get, folks. All of that and more. It's like a regular old... Christmas morning. And guess what? It will be a very special Christmas episode. It will be. So deck the halls, folks. Stuff the stockings. And egg the nog. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you egg the nog. And I hope you dance. I hope you dance, Darren. And from all of us here at the Hall Reference Show, as if there was more than two of us, my name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beast. And we thank you for joining us on the only wrestling podcast called The Right Down the Middle, The Whole Reference Show. Bye-bye!